Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Penninger, but this is actually a very special segment of Mormon Media Reviews, this ongoing series, sometimes hosted with B Rebecca Biblioteca and sometimes solo with me, where I encounter and, and talk with other podcasters, YouTubers, who are uh, engaging the restoration. Some are pro, some are anti, some are ex, some are neutral, like me. And uh, I was talking to, uh, I reached out to Forrest because I'm really enjoying your Latter-day Skeptic channel. I think it's a, kind of got, like, got a unique angle. And I, I reached out to Forrest and Forrest and I were talking on the phone. And then he said, well, my brother has a YouTube channel. I, well, who's your brother? I said, well, it's Jacob Hansen. He's a, a thoughtful faith. And I go on my computer. I'm like, yeah, I'm already subscribed to that channel, you know? So then the idea, I thought, well, let's have both of you guys on. So Forrest Hansen, Jacob Hansen. Welcome to the program this morning. Appreciate it. And when I say morning, I'm saying these guys, it's eight o'clock on the P Pacific time zone. Okay. So this is really cool for them to do it real solid here. So um, <laughs> I guess the main thing is, you know, I think it's a really interesting dynamic that you guys have. Because Jacob, you're a faithful Latter-day Saint. You're a defender of the faith, an apologist, if you will. And then we've got Forrest here who basically... When you're 18, you left the church, and you would you would say, would you would you basically say you're an atheist, agnostic, agnostic atheist? What would you say? Yeah, for practical purposes, I'd say atheist. Okay, so we got ourselves an eight, but this is the cool thing: they still love each other, they get along, <laughs> and I think that's the most. There's important ups and downs. Thing. That's we, fine. We, it's brothers that you're always going to have ups we, and downs. We get along, but we uh, it, we used to wrestle maybe in the living room. Now we we wrestle intellectually with our different ideas from time to time. But yes, when we're done wrestling, we get up and shake hands. That's see, folks. That's why it's possible. Who would have thunk this channel would have made it? And we have everybody on, and it's a civil conversation. And I got two bros here who are doing the same thing within their family, and they have YouTube channels that are diametrically opposed to each other in many ways but yet they can sit down at the dinner table and get along with each other. And I think that is a great testament to both of your characters. And so uh, before- we'll, 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 see how, we'll see how Thanksgiving goes. It's, it's just a couple of weeks away. We'll see how it goes this year. It should be interesting. <laughs> it, should be. It, it always tends to be pretty interesting too. <laughs> I imagine so. I imagine so. So I guess I, I'm just going to start off with this is, you know, um, you know Jacob, you, you've got a YouTube channel. It's roughly about the same size as mine, a little bit bigger. And you've been doing this for a little while longer. So I'd like for to ask you, what made you decide to start your channel? Um, so it actually, I, I've, I actually got started kind of in the, I guess, Mormon media sphere back probably in about 2012 when I had finished college. I, I before it was cool to start a faith, Facebook group where people talk about things, uh, I started one and uh, it was called Think Tank. And I was honestly, I was genuinely curious how people who thought different than me came to their conclusions. Um, and when I started that, I, I it, it was interesting. It forced me to really start to think about a lot of things, everything from my political views to my religious views to all of that. And I eventually started to write down the things that I, I would think. And so I started a little blog. And, and, and then from there, I found that I, I've done some video work in the past, so I kind of know the video game a little bit. And then I was like, well, what if I make videos instead? Because videos tend to get more views and things, and I can express myself more clearly. So I, I started making uh, videos, but it never really, it, it was mainly just like a way for me to, it, once I write something down or I make a video about it, it's like I get it out of my head. It's like, okay, 
how do I feel about X? I really think about it, study it, make a video about it. And then I also use that to see what other people have to say about it. Like what critiques do they have to have? And I was kind of in that time going through what I've, I've coined on my channel as sort of in, in my story and the videos I do on my story as, as sort of a faith remodeling, right? Um, kind of, I never said I have a faith crisis, but I did have to go through and kind of evaluate the structures of my belief system and, and make some adjustments. And so what happened was, is I would say by about 2018, I felt like I had, I had gone through a process where I had kind of seen everything. I've, I've heard all the, the arguments I've spent. Like, there's very little now that I ever see that's kind of like, oh, I haven't ever heard this before. This is totally unique and interesting. And, and when I do, it's kind of interesting because it's like, oh, there's something I haven't heard before. Um, and then, so at that point, I started feeling like I wanted to, to like help people go through that process, I guess, to some extent of like, hey, I've, I've seen these things. Like, here's what I think and here's how I frame all of this. And, and the thing that really launched the channel, I guess, was I actually did a debate um, with the, the guys from Apologia Church earlier this year. Um, and I actually went on their podcast. They, they, anyway, and, and that's once that, once that debate was out there, it got a lot of views on the Apologia channel. It, it has over a quarter million views on their channel. And so from there, people started to actually see the content that I had put out on my channel. And then people started liking it and sharing it. And, and then it kind of just took off from there. And as more people got involved and were listening, I began to be a little bit more aggressive about putting out videos and, that's kind of how I got to where I am now. It's so fascinating uh, that you're engaging the evangelical world and apology. And we're going to talk about that because I think that's another fascinating topic. But I want I want Forrest to chime in on here. So the younger punk brother decides he's going to start a YouTube channel now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I've always been in the YouTube world, but never as a creator. I started really watching YouTube in high school and then i got really involved in like the atheist youtube com community um and then I, at the same time i've been involved in plenty of family fights family debates about mormonism so i started to dive into the mormon youtube community that's where i encountered midnight mormons saints unscripted but then also the ex-mormon community with john delin and and uh those people um but it wasn't until jacob really started popping up on the screen and I started hearing these arguments that I've heard before from family fights and basically my blood would just boil because I couldn't do anything about it I would try to chime in on comments but comment sections you know it's just not the same um and then I also saw a lot of misrepresentation of the ex-Mormon community mm -hmm. partially for our own fault um there is a huge tendency to have one perspective and I really liked the idea that like being an ex-Mormon, the only thing that it requires is that you are an ex-Mormon. It doesn't require that you have any political leanings. Um, and so then I was like, you know what? I don't think there's anyone with my more conservative leaning that's also in the ex-Mormon space that I was aware of. Um, I'm sure there are. So I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to A, be able to go toe to toe with these people that I think are misrepresenting us. And then at the exact same time, uh, kind of show a different perspective of what being an ex-Mormon is. So then I, yeah, I started probably, I think it was about three and a half months ago. Um, I think I've got like 30 to 40 videos, some YouTube shorts, 
it's been fun. It's been, I feel like poking the bear. Um, luckily, and unfortunately for Jacob, poking the religious bear is like a little bit more accepted than <laughs> poking some other bears. So um, it's, it, the channel has been going well. It's been pretty well received. Um, obviously, there's a lot of interesting dynamics when your family is also Mormon and you're poking the Mormon it's- bear. It's interesting. He's he he's poking that bear, and we, we we in our family, I guess, we just tend to be bear pokers, <laughs> because <laughs> because because I my stance is as in sort of my apologetic stance is not to sit back and like make videos defending the church per se, but I tend to actually my my apologetic sort of stance is to be critical of the critics, yeah. um, and so it's it's a I, I, I look at things and say, you know, look, I, I don't think that their worldview that they're presenting has much to offer. And so Forrest comes at it from a critical lens of Mormonism. And I come from my critical lens of sort of agnostic atheism. And so we both kind of come at it from obviously totally different sides of the spectrum. But one thing that's interesting too, is, but the way we come at it, we're very similar and we've figured this out through lot of discussions before this we're very similar in the way we're coming at this stuff um and we understand formalized logic and informal logic pretty well um and that's kind of the main tool that we tend to use when going after uh critics on either side you know uh Forrest, I, I I pointed off camera that I wore this shirt for you um I I want to <laughs> say that you know um I was an atheist for a very long time Right. That, I don't know if you all saw my Mormon stories uh, episodes, but I, I talk extensively about my background and uh, my faith struggles and finding my faith, way back to faith. And I want to kind of stand up for atheists. You know, it's it's funny because I had Aaron Ra, who's like one of the biggest atheists on YouTube, come on my program and talk about the Book of Mormon because they're doing a series on the Book of Mormon, just like they did. A, they spent three years on the Quran wow. and they're doing the Bible and they're doing the Book of Mormon. So I say, well, hey. You're not just picking on Christians. If you're going to do a deconstruction of the Quran, go ahead and do a deconstruction of the Book of Mormon because at least you're 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 being fair. You know, so I respect his in, internal integrity. You know that he's he's willing to do that. But I also remember as I'm interviewing Aaron Ra, it's like I'm taking a trip down memory lane. It's like, oh yeah, I used to hang out with Aaron and Matt Delahante and you know my good old friend Christopher Hitchens. You know on YouTube. And I will say there was a therapeutic value for me. The atheism serves a therapeutic value for people who have been hurt by religion and PT and suffering PTSD from religion. So I, I, I kind of look at force. I'm not saying you're in an atheist phase, I'm, I, but I went through an atheist phase. And so I just want to, I'm kind of, you know, on my, on my soapbox here, but I just want to kind of give, there is an aspect to atheism that can also be beneficial to people. What do you, what do you say today, Forrest? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, I do want to clarify, I don't really consider, I should say this, my leaving the church wasn't really because I was hurt. That's right. I understand that a lot of people, that is the reason. But at the time, it was just like, I got to kind of where the rubber meets the road in Mormonism, which is, you're going to go serve a mission. Um, And I was like, wait a minute, I actually don't believe in any of this stuff. Like, um, so that's where I, I differ a little bit, but I do see that and so I think it serves a therapeutic aspect for me in that I understand the atheist arguments and it just, you know, that feeling when something resonates with you and you understand uh, their thought process. That's what I was hearing when I would hear people like Christopher Hitchens talk. And that's why it was therapeutic for me. Well, that's the thing. And, and again, this is about misrepresentations. 
evangelicals are often misrepresented. Mormons are certainly misrepresented in the media, but also religious folks tend to misrepresent atheists. They'll say, well, I know why Forrest left because he wanted a sin. And I'm like, no, that's not fair. Why don't you go ask Forrest why he left? Right? Actually, actually, it's it's funny that I I definitely don't jump on the left to sin bandwagon. And frankly, people like Forrest and my my siblings, uh, you know, are are the type of people who are very intellectually honest. And uh, you know, when we have had these sorts of issues, I, I mean, no one lives completely in a in a vacuum. You know, there are emotional reasons that we do things. Uh, kind of Jonathan hates Ryder and the elephant uh, analogy, I think is is great for that. But like, I know that Forrest, it, he wasn't like offended by the church. It was just a matter of a lack of belief, which I have a lot more respect for when this is something that someone has seriously considered and they've arrived at a different conclusion rather than just, you know, I still believe that it's true, but I'm offended by X, Y, Z or this person. And then they, they abandon it. You know what I mean? So I have a lot more respect for the people who have an intellectual sort of disagreement rather than just a emotional response to the church. Yeah. I, I actually have a funny story. Um, when I think it's probably one of the first times I was telling my mom that either I was having issues with believing in, in Mormonism or I was done altogether. And I remember saying something along the lines of like, mom, I'm leaving, but that doesn't mean that I'm like hostile towards the church and that I don't like the church. The church has done a lot of really good for me. I just don't believe in it. And then years later, I remember just totally bashing on the church. I'm like, well, I've changed. Um, so I would say almost the harm, I, the harm was not because it was harming me. It was later on, I understood harm to others. And that's when it became a little bit more like my channel does focus on harm of religion. Um, but it wasn't so much personal or to me, it was to things I was seeing. Well, and this thing too, Forrest, you, 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 you go after Christianity and stuff too. So you're not just, you know, picking on Mormonism. Um, and that's fine because I, I, I mean, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. I was there for a very, very long time, but I, I, I guess this is the thing too. And I, I want to talk about a few other things, but re relationally, um, were there points as brothers that maybe because you came from, did it ever really affect affect things where maybe you could have maybe severed ties as friends or did you ever, did it ever get close to that? Or were you as guys always closely bonded and have been able to keep a close relationship through, through this? Um, I think I'll, I'll answer that. So from my perspective, by the time Forrest was leaving the church, we have, there's eight of us siblings in our family I and mean, we're, a, we're a big family. Um, and I'm the only one who's still an active member besides my parents. And so in that context, Forrest is the, the third youngest in the line. So this was already sort of a thing by the time that Forrest was, was having his issues. So it was for me, I had there, there had been, it's funny, there had been some relationship conflicts over it. And I'm not saying that like in our family that everything like that there haven't been, there obviously have been, but Forrest and I, by the time that it was like, okay, Forrest is thinking about leaving the church. It's kind of like, I've been through this rodeo before. <laughs> I, I, I know what's going on and I don't, I, I never have wanted to ever with any of my siblings over our differences in religious beliefs. I wanted to minimize the impact that it would have on our relationships. 
Um, but, but without ignoring it, like one, but now with sometimes it is necessary to just ignore the issue to preserve the relationship. One of the things that Forrest and I have been able to do is that we keep the arguments about the arguments. We try not to turn this personally to where we're talking about each other. We're talking about, it's like, you have the truth that's out here and we're going to talk about that. And I'm not talking about you, Forrest. And Forrest, you're not talking about me per se, because we both respect each other as people of integrity. And then because we have that mutual respect and we know that we're coming at it in good faith, then it's just a matter of, all right, well, then let's talk about the issues and we're going to disagree and it'll get heated and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it never passes through that that personal barrier. It's always about the issue, not about one another. And I'm, and I would say that there are some people that I've encountered uh, in various contexts that that's not possible. It always becomes personal. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is too sensitive a subject to, if, if you over-personalize it and you're using a lot of you language and, you know, it, it like, it just isn't healthy for, for dialogue sake. So that's kind of what I've experienced with it. And I think that that's the reason that Forrest and I still are able to engage with each other on these topics and debate them. And it, yeah, obviously it gets passionate, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like a good sparring match in boxing. You throw punches, you bang each other a little bit up, but you're not, you're not, your intention is to sharpen your arguments and to get to the truth rather than to beat someone up and make them hurt. Forest. Yeah, and I agree with basically all of that. But sometimes it's, a, it's like it's easy in theory to say say that, and but like me and Jacob slip up all the time, and it does get personal. And a lot of times I'll like come away from an argument or from a long text conversation that we had all day, and I'll have to like take a breather and be like, okay, we're good. Like so, this isn't to say that you're not gonna, it's not gonna get heated, or you're not gonna step out of line and get a little too personal. But like we're, I think we're always striving for the goal of keeping it about the argument and not, not about the person. So I have, I'm going to ask you both this question. I want Jacob to answer it first. I was zooming with David Snell of Saints Unscripted the other day, and we were talking about um, the youth that are just dropping out. And this is both in the evangelical world, but also within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, Jacob, you're witnessing it firsthand with your siblings, with the forest. Let me ask you a question. Why are young people leaving the church? Because of the ideologies uh that run contrary to the gospel that are incredibly popular today. Um, and it's funny, I would say even Forrest might even like be like, yeah, like uh, in, in favor of, of, of some of those ideologies, not all of them, obviously. But um, it's funny, I think it's changed. Back 2005 to 2014, I would have said it's primarily the the growth of atheist atheistic thinking secular thinking a change in epistemological um like what tools you think are valid epistemology i think i would say it was the primary thing that was pushing people out of faith and it was primarily driven by the new atheist movement um i would say even that forest unlike a lot of people after 2014 forest is part of that movement it's it's very much more about an atheism 
rather than what we're seeing now, which is before it was the church isn't true. But now it's becoming that the church is not good, right? There are moral philosophies that are out there in the world that are turning people against Christianity, okay? And the change in our moral sort of compass, our recalibration as a society in the West has caused uh, – it it's pushed everywhere in the media. It's this expressive individualism and – when you adopt that lens of seeing the world, it point it, it, like Christianity does not appeal to you in any way, um, because life ultimately becomes about the self, and the self as a unit of expression, and that expressing yourself in whatever way you want, even if that is I am a you know, pan gender, you know, whatever, that sort of a, a view of life that it's totally self-determining in your own path, that's contrary to Christianity. And that is, so anyone who tells you that there is a path that leads you to your greatest well-being, like they're trying to control you. And so while that sort of ideology has always existed, it has become incredibly popularized. And there's a great book out there. Uh, I think it's by Carl Truman, I think is his name, um, called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, which in my opinion is just one of the greatest books out there right now on what's going on and why people are abandoning faith. You want me to church? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why are young people yeah. in the church? I mean, I almost see the the framing similar to Jacob. I think that like in the early 2000s, it was a the new atheist movement coupled with like the LGBT movement, which I don't think are exactly uh, synonymous in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that the reason that it's different now and it went from being about truth to being about the, the church is not good is because I think um, basically in the early 2000s and to 2014-ish, it was kind of a theoretical exercise. It was like, do you conceptually think that, for example, being gay is wrong? And then you have a whole generation that grows up knowing gay people, like gay friends and family. And now it's like these youth are saying, wow, no longer just a theoretical exercise. I know gay people and I see and I and I just can't accept that this is wrong, even though I may be religious. I just am having a hard time accepting this doctrine because no longer is this just in principle. It's also in practice. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um so yeah and this is the thing you know like uh there's during this whole I, it would definitely i was reading i read all the new atheist stuff you know it was around two, circa 2005 2006 where i would have started identifying as an atheist and uh pretty hardcore uh and yeah and it seemed like there was a i just i you know i tell i, I tell people i say you know the modern atheism uh, as we understand it really is a is actually just a type of protestantism taken to its logical extreme so i go to atheists uh, welcome welcome fellow protestants to the fold so there's some intellectual integrity <laughs> that i like about atheism in and of itself i don't have a problem but then but i do i do get get where you're coming from when it comes to perhaps other factors that are, are leading people out of the church as well, which is, uh, uh, we can talk probably hours about that. But I, I wanted to, um, one of the things I find really fascinating is you both kind of have hit on a couple of things and you alluded to it earlier, Jacob, and that this is your interaction with uh, Christian apologists. 
And in particular, Apologia, uh, James White, Jeff Durbin, and that crew, um, that was kind of your what kind of get jumpstarted your channel was engaging these people. Jacob, just talk a little bit about how your engagement has been like. What was it like to debate those two guys from Apologia? What was it like to meet James White? So it's actually interesting. I my interaction. So so first of all, I kind of got introduced to sort of the Apologia Church stuff as I just was kind of starting to get into this making my YouTube channel because I had seen things about Midnight Mormons talk about them and I'd seen Quaku interact with them to some extent. But what had happened was um, it was a, a friend of mine who um, had, they came to his church and they were passing out their, their like, you know, pass along cards after a sacrament meeting. And, and uh, Hayden, who's on my channel, he interacted with them and was like, Hey, like, you know, started talking with them. And they're like, Hey, why don't you come on your, our podcast? Well, Hayden knew about me. And so Hayden was like, Hey, Jacob. And, and I was living in Arizona at the time where he is. And it was like, Hey, let's, um, would you come with me to go on this podcast with them? Like they want to like ask about the church and talk about our beliefs. We ended up doing three podcast episodes with them that were two hours each about all sorts of topics. And honestly, it was great. I was shocked at how, because I had heard these bad things. And then I had met, um, it's Daniel Constantino and Oscar um, Dunlap were the two people that we debated. Well, we were on the podcast with them and another guy that, uh, from their church. And we just had great conversations because we were genuinely trying to figure it out. Our, 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 it, it was one of those rare moments where it was like, it wasn't about bashing each other. It was about trying to sort out and compare and contrast what do we actually think. And then out of that came this debate. So my interactions with them were excellent. We had a great debate. We're still friends. I was chatting with Oscar just the other day online. We were talking about stuff. We might do another debate later. We, and I've had them on my podcast a couple of times, been excellent, okay? However, however, within that world, I also see actors that are not acting in good faith that like, you know, I see James White or, or Jeff Durbin to go out to a bunch of 19 year old or 18 year old now volunteers who basically they don't have any real serious formal training in this. Everyone knows this. And to go out there with your years of debate experience and theological training and then make these, oh, I owned you on YouTube kind of videos. Like, what? What are you doing? Like, this isn't serious. This is propaganda. Like, if you want to have a serious discussion, Jeff Durbin, please go debate. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, go debate uh, Blake Osler. When you go and engage with some of our serious theologians, you're going to get your butt kicked. But you don't want to go into the ring with a heavyweight. You want to go and make gotcha videos on a bunch of 19-year-olds who oftentimes, as Forrest pointed out, <laughs> aren't even aware that you're filming them. So I have I have great respect for, for some of the Calvinists who I've met, but I also have seen stuff that is unethical. Um, and I would also say that I have seen... Um, Oh, now, this is an interesting thing. I actually have a lot of respect for Calvinist doctrine. Now, you... You may push back on this, but I think that they actually present a very powerful case. And maybe we'll, I'll need to get a, another Protestant who's not a Calvinist on to explain why I'm wrong. But I have found some of their arguments for if God is truly sovereign and omnipotent and all of that, that I think it creates um, 
a logic like their their theology does seem to logically flow from some of those premises and and so i have a weird respect for for calvinism even though um obviously i'm not a calvinist and i have uh, it, there's a logical consistency but it takes you to a place that is just not yeah <laughs> yeah, well, use it. The, 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 I have a Dutch name, but my last name's Peinig. I come from a long line of ref, Dutch Reformed that's generational. I mean, I'm related to a reformer, okay? You know, like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so like it, it goes back to the, you know, 16, 1700s, you know, so like, like I'm, you know, it's sad. It's, it's like I'm generationally like, you know, how Mormons can go back and say how, yeah. I don't know how many generations, <laughs> but I tell people, I said, uh, I used to be a Calvinist and then I found Jesus. That's my tagline. Um, <laughs> and I, I want to say that, yeah, I can, I get what you're saying, Jacob, because of course I was a Calvinist for a very long time. Now my parents got involved in the charismatic renewal movement. So I would have been a charismatic Calvinist, which there's actually a lot of them too. And, um, and Calvinism is a a very uh, intellectually rigor rigorous uh, theology, which um, can appeal to young white men who live in North America, <laughs> who believe like, well, this is the proper order of things. And I happen to be at the top of it. So yeah, I'm a Calvinist, you know, it appeals to that regard too. So, but, uh, you know, and then it's, I don't, I love Calvinism. Almost, most of my family's still Calvinist. Many of our ministers and missionaries. And so, you know, uh, but I, I get that. I get that too, because see, the thing is, 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 um, yeah, taken to a logical extreme, you know, and I've talked about this on other programs, is that the guard at the Anne Frank or the Jews who are going to be put in the gas chambers, right? Because they're on the wrong team. What they're going to experience in that gas chamber is going to be horrendous. But what they have coming afterwards is even worse. But that guard, who's helped shove them in, who's a confessional Christian, he's going to heaven. And that's yeah. the issue with Calvinism. And God, by the way, yeah. that's a demonstration of God's love and sovereignty. And that, and that, see, what, what I do when I look at the Calvinist doctrine is I say the, the logical rigor takes you to a place to where God is the devil. And that's the point where you go, okay, something was broken in here in this formulation that got me here. And then you go back and look at the formulation. And frankly, that's where Latter-day Saint theology is so appealing to me is because in my mind, it resolves that by altering things like what we mean by omnipotence and omniscience and all of that. And these are all very interesting sort of theological discussions that can be had between Christians. One thing that uh, just to kind of go back here to with, with Forrest, who, who, who is looking at this going, yeah, that's all just a bunch of nonsense, <laughs> um, uh, is, is that, and I, I talk about this, one of the things that I try and emphasize on my channel is you have to know what conversation you're having. I, I talk about level one conversation, level two conversation, level three conversation, right? Forrest as an atheist is the, the, the conversation that him and I are going to have that's the most interesting is going to be a level one conversation. Because in my mind, that's a conversation where we can find some sort of common ground uh, to start from. The problem is, is that if you're talking about Mormonism per se, which is I call kind of the level three conversation, um, you have to have accepted the level two conversation, which is the Christian premises 
of like Jesus in the New Testament was who he claims to be. The Bible is at the very least a, a reliable account of who Jesus was and that Jesus fundamentally did die and rise from the dead. And it's like Mormonism, once you have like Mormonism is a discussion that we're having within Christianity, whereas the level one conversation is like, well, why Christianity at all? Why God at all, right? Like we, you go back to that sort of level one conversation. And from what I can tell, uh, going back to that idea of why are people leaving the church, is that we kind of in the West have, what's been interesting is this, I've actually looked back, I think Jordan Peterson, one of the reasons he's real popular is he's looking back to the the, the level one conversation in the Western tradition. And he's saying sort of, we've already had this discussion <laughs> like and it was a really cool conversation that was had and there are these ideas out there that form the basis upon which you can believe to some extent or place your faith in the narrative of jesus christ right now i think that there's a lot of shortcomings to jordan peterson's sort of view but he's at least engaging in a really powerful way in the level one conversation but the problem is is that you know Level two conversation or level three conversation. That's what I'm having with, you know, my, my Calvinist friends. Yeah, that's a and, great point. And this is the other thing too, is, you know, and I enforce, I want you to pipe in here because oh. I tell people, I said, I can tell the problem with Calvinism is that I can tell very little difference between the atheist God and the Calvinist God. They're almost like they're the same character. And that's that. And, and I think that's why a lot of, uh, ex-Calvinists end up becoming atheists and very good atheists because they're using, they're basically talking about the same God. Yeah. yeah and so I want to say that I totally agree with you that the logic or the appeal of Calvinism to somebody like me is that they're trying to use an objective standard. Um, so I like that they really hang on the Bible as like, Hey, this is at the end of the day, this is what's important. Um, Although I, of course, believe there's a bunch of contradictions in the Bible, so it's not a very good standard for objectivity. As, as do as do as do we. Which which um, I, just real quick, Forrest, just to chime in, not to cut you off, but that's actually something that that Forrest and I and and the the Calvinists and and Christians generally will actually say that Mormons are atheists, are ultimately atheists because our our view of God and stuff. And it is interesting to see that there are areas where us and the atheists will actually have the same view like i i believe that forrest probably would uh, would if we were to have a conversation about it would be a monist right rather than a dualist and mormonism tends to be monist uh joseph smith anyway his his theology comes off as very much a, a type of monism um so there are aspects to which there there's that inner interplay between mormonism and atheism and a lot of christians give us crap for that but it's weird because force and i will be on the same side of certain issues <laughs> yeah but i also just want to say like one of the things that i think jacob does quite a bit where you want to stay in that level one conversation is i can grant premises to get to level three so we can have a level three conversation even though i don't have i don't truly believe in in level two yeah um so that's where I try to like push to level three. And a lot of times Jacob's like, no, 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 you don't even believe in that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm granting it for the argument. But, and that's um, the thing. If you, if you do indeed grant those premises, then ultimately the premise that you're granting is Christianity. And so you ultimately have to argue for or against Mormonism 
from the perspective of a Christian, of why this doesn't make sense in a Christian context, which is a very interesting conversation to have. But a person who just comes in willy-nilly and it's like, hey, well, you know, just Mormonism is crazy. And it's like, well, yeah, it is crazy if you just if a guy comes off the street and tells me that he saw God, like I'm just gonna be like, yeah, that's nuts. Like, what are you talking about, dude? But the thing is, is if you come from the context that God exists and that Jesus was the Christ and that he calls prophets and the New Testament narrative is reliable, then you can actually go and say, well, is there any reason to believe that someone could have had this sort of experience? And, and so there's a level of plausibility that's granted there. But as Forrest said, I, I do tend to push back to the level one conversation because I think that's where instead of Forrest granting premises that he doesn't actually believe, but doing it for the sake of argument, the the argument becomes much more, I guess, authentic when you're dealing with the actual things that you believe rather than just granting premises for the sake of argument. I wanted to say two things on the Calvinist conversation real quick. Um, I do, one of the things I like to highlight in some of my videos is unlike Calvinism, Mormonism is very, in my opinion, emotional based. It's the whole like Moroni's promise. You can have personal revelation. Um, and that opens up a huge door for issues that I believe the Mormon church is currently having. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, uh, push back a little bit on is you were talking about how like Jeff Durbin going after missionaries is kind of propaganda, which I agree it's propaganda mostly because the way he secretly films it. But Mormon missionaries are literally trained by the church to go out and proselytize. So like, if those people aren't able to defend their faith, then I don't know. I think, I think that's a fair game, but I just think the problem I have is that he is sneaky about it. Yeah. And I, 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 I would agree that <clears throat> I have no problem with them going out and proselyting. I don't have any problem with them going out and, uh, you know, engaging people, um, to try and spread their message. I don't, I don't have a problem when an atheist does that either. <clears throat> My thing is, is that <clears throat> when you create a public video that is obviously a mismatch between, you know, if you got Mike Tyson going up and getting in a fist yeah. fight with me and he wins. Well, it, you've seen it's this in like, politics come on. so many, like how many videos do you see where Republican or, or Democrat goes up and finds the dumbest of the other side and films them and says like, hey, the other side's stupid. You know, it's like yeah. an old tactic on YouTube that hopefully most people are, starting to see through yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and just i don't know if you guys saw part five of my interview on mormon stories but i literally called out james white apologia and aaron shalafaloff because i was like you guys are in my sense i'm saying in one sense you're pushing people out of the kingdom by doing what you're doing because i think this is the thing this is the thing there are mormons who leave the church and many times they become atheists and part of the reasons why they become atheists is because they encounter that type of christianity and they're like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I get that. So when I say you guys are pushing people out of the kingdom, I'm saying you guys are literally poisoning the well and, and basically giving a face to mainstream Christianity that's quite frankly a very ugly side. I do want to have a question. I do have a question for you, Jacob. Um, do, considering you're encountering, like you're, you're engaging a Christian theology and you're in there, you got creedal Christianity and you have these set doctrines of what Christians believe. Do you get why some Christians or many Christians would say would say that Mormons aren't Christian? Absolutely. Okay. In fact, I I mean, depending on how they define Christian, I would say, yeah, I'm not I'm not a Hellenized Christian. I'm not I'm not a Christian. Paul was Paul was Hellenized. <laughs> I actually I actually would would 
I would push back. I think Paul did have some some Hellenized influences on him, but the Christianity that emerged uh, after uh, in the post-apostolic era, um, I would argue, uh, doesn't mimic the religion of the Hebrews uh, in their formulations of God, doctrines of Trinity, things like that. Now, to be fair, um, Obviously, that's something that that you and I could 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 have a, a good discussion and debate on. I'm almost, I'm almost thinking of jumping right in. <laughs> <laughs> but but with that said, um, yes. Uh, back to your question, I I can totally see that, and I I I think actually when people say we're not Christians, the, the thing to ask is, well, what do you mean by Christian? You know, what defines a Christian? And then you're going to have to have a discussion about why that formulation of okay, this is what a Christian is and this is what a Christian isn't actually holds. Uh, and if it's even meaningful to you, because if you're like, well, to be a Christian, you have to hold to the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, I'd say, okay, well then by that definition, I'm not a Christian. And okay. I, I'm proudly not a Christian Got by it. that definition. But it, do I believe that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Um, and so to me, the whole, are you Christian? Are you not Christian debate? That's something that from a Latter-day Saint context doesn't really matter because for us, it's all about covenant. Like it doesn't matter what you label yourself. What matters is have you actually entered into covenant relationship with God? Okay. Now, Forrest, you brought up a really interesting point. And that was, you had said that Mormonism is, is more um, subjective. It's more emotionally based. And this is what I find so fascinating. I come from a charismatic background, right? It's very emotional. I've spoken in tongues just one time when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's 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 certified Book of Mormon, holy baptized in fire, Holy Spirit uh, encounter. You know, that's why I say the, the Book of Mormon is uh, is a very Pentecostal book. As a matter of fact, I just have it here. My favorite book, Pentecostal reads the Book of Mormon. It's a thoroughly Pentecostal book. And that's what I find so interesting is I when I came back into faith, I, I left as a logical Calvinist then a logical atheist. And then I had a spiritual epiphany where I had a peace that surpasseth all understanding when I shouldn't have had it. And it was like this moment where I had this realization that God put me through this gauntlet. I thought I had deconstructed God. I thought I had deconstructed scripture, but turns out he deconstructed me. And I've, it's, it's been kind of a life-changing thing. So this is the thing. The old Steve Pinecker would be like, oh, it's a bunch of hogwash. It's emotional stuff. But I'll tell you, there's this inner peace that I have that has changed my life. So that's where I get, when I talk to Denver Snuffer and talk to his people, when I talk with the Church of Jesus Christ, the Pentecostal Mormons, if you will, I feel, I feel at home because they're talking in a way that's very similar to me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of blabbering. I just want to give you my background here. Forrest, what, what, what do you say to that? What, what do you say to, there's maybe more to faith than just hard logic. And, and I would point to this, okay? We can almost pinpoint the moment the, the divine spark happened. It was about 100,000 years ago, we start finding uh, funeral type things happening with uh, our ancestors where they recognize that there was something bigger than themselves. And, the, and, these, and by the way, they, these, this, this is about 100,000 years ago, found not too far from Nazareth, where, we had, where humans realized that they were more than just animals, but they started burying their dead. 
they started taking care of their ill, like like when they find if they find remains with broken hip bones that were healed, they know that they had a community. And my argument is is that atheism cuts off that part of our humanity. That part that literally got us here was our sense of spirituality, sense of being part of something bigger than ourselves. And then if we chuck that, we chuck part of our humanity. So I want to almost clarify, like I'm not, I'm not um, against emotion, but I think the biggest issue that I have with emotion is it's not going to be able to convince me. So like I left the church because I didn't believe basically no matter how much anyone tells me about their personal religious experience, it's, it's not changing what I believe about the church. So that's where like uh, my overall issue with, you know, an emotional religion. The, the other issue in particular with Mormonism is Mormonism has an issue where it's not, it's a very creedal religion where there's a lot of, um, a lot of, it's very rules-based. And so if you're going to have a rules-based religion, but then open the door for individuals to have their own interpretations, you're going to have people that no longer are listening to the prophetic authority and they're going to listen to their own authority. Um, yeah, basically I'm fine with emotion. I actually think that atheists do like say, Hey, emotion is always bad. And I'm not on that train at all. I think most of what we do is for emotional reasons. So, but I shouldn't expect to convince somebody else with my emotional reasons. So I, I want to chime in here. I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm almost done. Forrest will know about this. I'm, I'm working on an, a series of, on epistemology and I have a very particular epistemological view of the world. And for anyone who's listening, who may not be familiar with that term. It's, you know, your theory of knowledge of how you know things, right? And we're talking about reason. And I'm a big fan of reason, but then we're talking about emotion, right? Or, or, and, and it's like, does emotion have any role to play in the epistemological toolkit, right? I believe that it does. I believe that, but I do not believe it has, it can be totally uh, detached from, uh, from reason. And I would also say that there are other things. I think that there's outcomes. I think that there's empirical evidence. I think that all of these things play into a way of viewing truth and reality. And these are the tools that we have at our disposal. And if you cut off the emotional part entirely, it's as if you, you're not fully human. You are, uh, and so there is a, a use of the epistemology, uh, of sort of feelings and emotions and these, I mean, that's what makes you a human being. Um, but, but to Forrest's credit and to the critics' credit, it does run amok in Mormonism. And I have to deal with people all the time who use what I call, you, you probably heard of scripture alone, you know? I, in the church, there are people who have a feelings alone where we're like, whatever they feel trumps everything else. It doesn't matter what reason says. doesn't matter what church authorities say. doesn't matter what science says. If I feel it, it's true. That's wrong. That's not Mormonism. Like that is not our doctrine. That is not the way we should look at it. So to me, it's about- Unless, unless you're trying to convert somebody, then you say, just pray about <laughs> it. And the truth will be confirmed to you through the Holy Spirit. If, if a person, I believe that people do sometimes teach it in that way. And I think that it's wrong. I think okay. that you are supposed to ponder it which means to rationally look at this and to think about it and to 
see the fruits in your life as they manifest, as you, as you try things out. Um, it is not to be just a feelings alone thing. And I actually think one of the big problems in the church is we get converts who were converted on emotion only, but guess what? As soon as the emotion dries up, they leave. You get someone who's converted on doctrine and you can tell the difference. Like if you talk, you talk to people who like are really committed to the church, start talking about doctrine. They'll tell you about doctrine that they're into it and they get it. And their testimony is based in doctrine, not just in feelings. And so that's one of the things I actually have a criticism for a way a lot of us in the church do it. I don't think it's part of our doctrine. I think it's just part of our culture is that we've, we've interpreted that it's just kind of about feelings and it's not. We need to make arguments. That's one of the reasons that I'm out doing the things that I'm doing is because it needs to be both. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because I will talk to members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints who will bear a testimony that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. And then somebody will say, no, I, I have a witness that he didn't practice polygamy. And that's where I'm like, how do you guys sort through all this stuff when you have people having these personal testimonies and, and, and impressions and stuff that are in contradiction? That's why I tell people, I, say, I would never pray Moroni's promise because I don't trust my own feelings. First of all, I got to go by more than just that you know, on, uh, at the same time. And, so, and I would agree with that. I would, I would say that that's actually, that is, that's the correct way. It isn't just feelings, but it isn't no feelings at all either. It's, it is this integration of all of these things. And I'm, I'm going to plug it. Everyone needs to check out my channel, Thoughtful Faith. In the coming <laughs> weeks, I'm going to release a full five-part series on epistemology that will deal specifically with the integration of feelings, reason, Okay. Uh, the fruits that come from things, hmm. scientific, empirical evidence, like all of these things, in my opinion, need to be properly integrated into a, a complete picture of the way that you view the world rather than pegging any individual one, such as scripture alone, uh, as the trump card that that determines reality. When you when you do that series, I, I want you to specifically focus on when things are at odds with each other. That's, yes. that's the hard part. Yep. If your feelings well, are against your reason, then which one are you going with? So to me, I don't know how you're going to integrate them. There's a hierarchy and you kind of have to pick and choose. which It's, it's going to be a good, good video series. With good. that said, I will, I will quickly kind of plug what you're saying though. So um, we have to deal with that in science even. Um, for instance, our empirical experience, our sensory data will tell us that you don't actually, time doesn't slow down because I'm moving faster. But mathematical formulation, which is a product of reason, right? That's what math is, is basically written out re rationality. Um, it, it says by the laws of physics that you do, you act, that time actually slows down. And not only that, that things actually get smaller or bigger in time and space. So there are things that we intuitively know or even that we empirically experience or whatever through sense data that are not indeed reliable and come into conflict. And so which one is it, right? Reason. Now we tend to, what was that? Yes, and I would agree reason. in that case, I think reason does. But I'm also going to make the case that reason itself is based on deeper intuitions. And so anyway, there's it's it's a fairly nuanced and, and yeah. large topic, but uh, you, I'm expecting a review from you, Forrest, on it on why I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I uh, I want to pre appreciate you guys coming on. Now, you kind of just previewed what's coming up on your channel, Jacob. I want you to, uh, Forrest, uh, I want you to preview what's some stuff you're working on on your channel. 
So I kind of fly by the seat of my pants a little bit. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I want to be very responsive to Mormon culture. Um, Brother Corbett's talk that just came out, I wanted to be able to have a little bit of bandwidth to just kind of hop on things. One thing I want to shift focus to, because I think I'm feeding into this um, atheist or angry narrative. I've had multiple angry videos that I've released. So I do want to start, you know, I have a couple videos where I do like, you know, I did a, a review on a book or I, I talked about a movie that I thought was really influential. So I want to start building a little bit because we always get that criticism that we're only tearing down. Um, and then I also, in general, that tearing down perspective, I, I'm going to come out with a video here pretty soon that shifts that perspective and and kind of highlights the fact that you see it as tearing down. But to me, I'm building something up. Hmm. Um, and then so, yeah, in general, just more positive content, a little bit more building just so that way it's not always you well, atheists good. are mean and angry. That's good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jacob, I, I noticed you've been doing this series on Julie Hanks. Uh, <laughs> what, what's that? Tell us what that's all about. So uh, honestly, as I've said multiple times in that very video series, I have nothing against Julie Hanks. But uh, Forrest actually might agree with this, that Julie represents a particular type of growing view in the church that places the highest premium on personal authority, meaning personal revelation. That's the, that's the, I say that's the active ingredient in her formulation of, of personal authority. And that sort of a worldview creates all sorts of problems. And frankly, it isn't even unique. Her worldview is essentially expressive individualism. That's being wrapped. That's, that's being pushed into Mormon, uh, Mormon culture, essentially. Um, and so I have responded to what she, well, I made my videos. I made an original two videos where I didn't even say anything. I just said, here's what she said. Here's what the brethren said. And I did that for like 30 minutes in a video because there was so much content out there. And then, um, and I did that primarily because the ideas that she's putting out there are, um, they just are contrary to what the official doctrines of the church are and and Forrest from his perspective i think would would uh would recognize that he's like yeah she's following her sort of personal revelation and it contradicts the brethren and my point is when your personal revelation contradicts the authorities of the church you're a protestant and you then go down the route of of finding some other authority well Protestants, though, would I, to their credit, will say our our authority is in the Bible and the scriptures and not in ourselves, which I have a lot more respect for that than just saying I claim my personal authority as just whatever I think God is telling me, regardless of any authority structure to check that um, in any meaningful way. She'll play lip service to it, but she'll even say, you know, <laughs> if your personal, you know, your personal authority, quote unquote, your personal revelation may tell you to leave the church. And in other words, your personal authority will tell you to break your covenants. And that, that just is not Mormonism. And, and unfortunately, if it, and, and this is where it's like, well, if that's your perspective, then like you shouldn't be a member of the church because you just, that isn't what the church is. And so I, I hope she changes her, her point of view, but it's not about her. It's about the ideas and the ideas are, they're fairly pervasive. And there's a lot of people who think this way. And so I felt it was worth addressing. I do want to chime in on that for, real quick. Um, I, I've kind of been framing this divide in the church. Basically, it's when you have a conflict between personal revelation and prophetic revelation, what's at the top of your hierarchy? And I think Jacob represents the prophetic revelation is at the top of the hierarchy. And Julie and people like Julie 
represent the the opposite that per personal revelation is at the top but what i think well, i would Jacob... i would let let me let me push back on that real quick just to make sure i'm properly represented i would say that personal revelation from god is indeed the the trump card like if god comes exactly. and tells so me the, hey mormonism is... is wrong then i go with god but this is the thing the question is is you got to provide me with more than just i think god told me x because I don't think that's what God told you. God seems to be contradicting himself. And if God is telling you to break your covenants, that's not the God of Mormonism. He's telling you, I would say that follow that God out of the church because that ain't it. Like so, that. So that, that's, that's fine. But that means your issue isn't with personal revelation. It's your issue is that you don't trust that she's having personal revelation. Yes. You agree in, in personal revelation is. Yes. On top of yeah, so absolutely. In, in your and, videos, and if people, if people, well, it's I would not say personal this, revelation. If that's the problem is you don't trust her revelation. If people are having personal revelation to leave the church, I'm going to think that it's not from God. But like, yeah, follow that revelation. Like, leave. And 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 the thing is, is that if indeed you believe that that I just do not believe that that is God that's telling you to do that because the God that I have encountered in Scripture and reason and logic and all the other things leads me to keep my covenants. And so I don't believe that that is. So yeah, so it's just you I don't believe that, Julie. You don't think that Julie is wrong in following personal revelation. You just I think she's really. I believe she's receiving revelation. I don't believe it's from God. Wow, <laughs> you know, folks. I think we just previewed the uh, this year's Thanksgiving conversation in the Hampton no, household. <laughs> so this was last year's Thanksgiving conversation. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, no, it was. It was. We were, we were on a, a family trip. Uh, uh, and and we were all together and we actually were talking about this exact thing so oh, wow. we, forrest and i to some extent have already had this conversation uh yeah together well you know these, guys these, that, that's a preview of forrest and i most of the time when we get together at least for part of the time we're together we'll we'll, we'll be doing what we just did great <laughs> i did want to say something on oh, sure, on the relationship piece that <laughs> I, I missed i don't want to say that having these conversations especially the more heated ones don't start to kind of degrade some of the relationship. I think we, and at this point, we're getting better at it too. You have to consciously be putting a little bit into the bank. So, you know, if Jacob and I, every time we're together, the only thing we do is go head to head, it starts to wear on you a little bit. And right. so we do have like, hey, what do we have in common? Or let's go do something else that's fun. And I even think like YouTube, I actually contacted Jacob. I was like, hey, I'm setting up my channel. Can you help me out a little bit? And he did. And, and I and like, so we've been, and bonding. I helped him <laughs> and I'm worried. I'm worried that I'm going to, I'm going to, because I've given him help to try and, you know, make a better video. It's like, uh Oh, am I doing the work of the devil? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I like even YouTube, although it's still kind of in that world, like YouTube has, has bonded us. And, you know, now we talk on the phone about, um, you know, just things that we have in common versus just always battling with each other. Well, an example, and we, we have gonna... some common enemies, so that helps. A yeah, bit. that's that is true too. We, we still have common ground, and the thing is, is you do have to go back to the things that you share in common. And the thing is, they do exist. A lot of this has to do with focus. Okay, and I think that I do think that ignoring your differences and stuff, and and and, and you know, there's a way to have healthy debate. But as Forrest said, you gotta you've got to come back to the things that you share. Um. We both love to shoot. So guess what? After our Thanksgiving dinner, the next day, we're going to go out, we're going to go shooting together. And, and some of the other brothers-in-law are going to do that. So you can't define your relationship with one another based on the disagreements. You have to seek the commonality. I'm a believer in this from, from my theology. 
is that relationships are ultimately what this is all about. Mm. What eternity is all about. That's why we are sealed into families. That's what you, you're, in my conception of Latter-day Saint theology, it is that all of existence and eternity and eternal life, what is eternal life? It is right relationship with God and everyone else. It is, and so if relationship is ultimately the thing of highest importance, then I want to try and maximize my relationship with everyone that I can to the greatest degree possible. And where I will say, and I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ, or I would even say the truth is the thing that allows us to be able to have maximized relationships with one another. The principles of truth, moral truth, even physical truth, allow us to interact with one another in a way that maximizes our well-being through our relationships with one another. And so while I, but, but I also believe in the pursuit of truth, it requires you to engage one another to kind of sort out the issues, but always with the idea in my mind that as we get closer to the truth, we will then have more in common that can bond us together and further maximize the relationship that we have. And I have that with everyone who, who I interact with, but getting to the truth sometimes requires that you have conflicting worldviews that have to, to, to confront one another. Yeah. And um, I'll also say like Jacob, as much as he like draws lines in the sands and takes strong stances as I do as well. Like I know that Jacob always treats people well, Mm. especially like, you know, like in person in, in real life. And so I want to highlight, it's always where we attack ideas. We try, obviously we make mistakes sometimes, but we're trying to attack ideas, not people. We want to treat people well. And I've seen Jacob do that. So it's, that's where like, you know, it's like, where do you draw the line in the sand, especially like morally, you know, getting along with someone that has difference in opinions than you or, or different thoughts than you. And one of the lines that I kind of draw is like, okay, it's how you treat people. And because Jacob treats people well, I don't have issues with having really heated you know, in principle discussions. Um, yeah. And, and you, and that is, I'm going to say to anyone on my side and anyone who listens to me, don't ever get the impression that I endorse mistreatment of another person because they have the wrong point of view, right? People are to be treated with love and with respect. And if you have to choose between being hard ideas or being soft on a person, be soft on the person, but there's a difference between private interaction and public sort of advocacy. When we're in this sphere of YouTube, I'm in the world of ideas and there's a raging battlefield of ideas fighting for supremacy in the minds and hearts of people. And my thing is, is in the battlefield of ideas, I'm going to get out my machine gun and I'm going to start fighting and throwing grenades. And, you know, we're fighting in the battlefield of ideas. But when a person meets me one-to-one, and we sit down to break bread across the table from each other. Like, unless it's like Forrest, who I know we can kind of like spar in person and get along, like we're just going to have a good time together and get to know one another because it, people are, and relationships, I believe are what it's all about. And I think a lot of people may get the mis, in, misimpression because I'm so hard on ideas 
that that means that I hate people or that I mistreat people. And I, I have no interest. And just, and to Forrest's credit, Forrest is the same way. Forrest treats uh, me and he'll treat any member that he meets or whatever with, with the utmost kindness and respect and would help him out in a heartbeat. So that's something to, to always keep at the forefront. Well, you too. Uh, I thought this was a fascinating conversation. As a matter of fact, as a, this conversation is going, I'm thinking, you know, I need to have these guys back on. I think we could talk about different topics and subjects. Sometimes I'd be teamed up with Jacob and then sometimes I'd be teamed up with Forrest. I think we'd have fun talking to each other. Uh, and this was a really fantastic episode conversation I had with you guys because you guys bring a lot to the table. You're very thoughtful um, and you're also very respectful. And really, folks, this is what this, this, is what this channel is about, you know, is being respectful um, of all the different ideas. That's why a third of my audience is atheist agnostic. Um, and I have a lot of evangelicals, a lot of LGBTQ people, and a lot of faithful Mormons come to me. Now, I'll give you an example of this intersection. I'm at Sunstone. And I had this person who's from a polygamous group. She went and she was LDS and now she's a part of this polygamous group. And she goes oh, wow. to me and she says, you know, I have a lot of family that are mainline LDS and they're very faithful and they only watch church approved stuff, but they also watch your program, Steve. <laughs> and I think that's so cool. And I'm going to have to have a talk with her. I'm going to have to have a talk with her bishop. <laughs> <laughs> so I, first of all, folks, let's do this. Forrest, uh, we need to get you to a thousand subscribers, okay? So folks, I want to encourage you to uh, subscribe to Latter-day Skeptic. I also want to encourage you to uh, subscribe to Thoughtful Faith. And uh, and let's get let's get forced to a thousand because it's once you hit that thousand things yeah, you, know, you seem legit well, and, you know <laughs> and and one and one thing just as a as you were talking about content that's coming out Forrest and I are talking about the possibility of us doing on a potentially on a fairly regular basis we don't know exactly how much but we thought about doing where we basically get together and we talk about the videos that each of us have made and kind of go back and forth. Yeah. You know the the faithful. We're getting into the doing responses of response cycle. <laughs> that's not not good. Yeah, we, we, I was because he's made some videos. I was like, I should make a response video, but it's like, you know, why don't we just like get together and just like have these family conversations that we have just with everybody watching? And uh, our hope, though, I think where we both there's a piece of common ground is we hope to model a. I think Forrest would agree with this. We hope to model something that is that shows people look. You can have very strong fully invested beliefs in your point of view, but that you can still, without ignoring them, still have a relationship um, and while continuing the conversation. Well, I have to say, I had a blast today. I, uh, I want to thank you both for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I just want to remind the audience here, first of all, this month's book giveaway is 52 Churches in 52 Weeks uh, by David Boyce. His videos on the LDS church experience have exploded, and he's been a guest on my program. And uh, so in the description, you just go to mormonbookreviews at gmail.com, put in the subject line book contest, and leave me your name and address, U.S. residents only. Also, I will leave links to both their channels, and if you guys want to send me some links I could put in the show notes, please do. Also, folks, if you want to financially support the channel, there are places where you can support us on PayPal, Patreon, as well as the merch store, mormonbookreviews.com. Folks, I just want to remind you, the most important thing is all the voices of the restoration will be heard here on Mormon Book Reviews.